This episode, I talked to my friend Joe Izzo, who's involved in the Portland, Oregon psychedelic scene. He used to run a podcast called Conscious Cloud, which is how I discovered Joe. He was also involved in Measure 109, the Oregon ballad measure in 2020, which created a pathway to legalization of medical psilocybin, a landmark event in 2020. I think in 100 years, some communities will see it as being more important than COVID itself. We talked about how meeting Duncan Trussell and a psychedelic experience with Zach Leary got him started on this path. We also discussed a vat of souls and the collective consciousness. This conversation was recorded during a move several months ago, so there is reference to an event that is long past. All asides aside, Joe Izzo. Joe Izzo, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hey, Evan. Thanks Thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, little backstory. I found your podcast, The Conscious Cloud, probably like a year, close to a year and a half ago. I thought you had a really, really unique voice, really open style, and couple, you could call it synchronicities, but couple reachings out later um we've connected a few times and so i thought it'd be cool to have a podcast learn a little bit more about you and kind of what's going on in in portland and oregon in the psychedelic community totally yeah um and i think that's really that was kind of the magic of the intent of my podcast and it worked really quickly which kind of played into the whole idea so my my podcast the conscious cloud being about the, the the conscious cloud being kind of like a metaphor for the collective consciousness, which just, I believe, connects us all together, you know, and you can really dive deep into that. Um, if, if you haven't heard of David Bohm, check out David Bohm. He has a movie called Infinite Potential, and he just kind of explains the, the, through a quantum lens just how, how we're all kind of connected together scientifically. Um, and he was actually one of Einstein. He worked with Einstein and, and Oppenheimer on the atomic bomb. Um, unfortunately, due to some political reasons, you haven't really heard about him. Um, but he was like Niels Bohr, um, I believe, was working on. Was it Mike? Was I forget if it's the macro or the micro? I always get this confused. Like Einstein and them, they they were they were work, one was working on the macro, one was working on the micro, and the math didn't really. Um, they didn't have a, a, a the, the math didn't reckon. And so that's what David Bohm ended up working on. So interesting. But um, so that's the conscious cloud. That's kind of like where that whole concept came from. And so I was wanting to find people to come on the podcast and talk to them and just kind of put that out there in the podcast. And so Evan reached out to me and that's how this whole thing kind of came together. So, yeah, I remember one of those early episodes you were talking about, or you had someone on who reached out because they listened to the first one. And I'm like, oh, I'll reach out, see what's going on. So I guess, when did that start? And what did that kind of lead to in your life? What were you doing like right before the podcast started? And then, yeah, what did that lead to? Hmm. What was I doing? That's a good question. Um, I was working with, so it's like the pandemic happened and I was working on um, Measure 109 
in Oregon, which is the psilocybin services initiative. I was doing that before COVID hit and was just kind of like working on that campaign as a volunteer. Um, Psilocybin and mushrooms in general and psychedelics in general being something that I view as a great tool when used properly. I I was working on that campaign um, mostly because I feel people should have safe access to information in in psychedelics, you know, from a cognitive liberty standpoint, but also um, a mental health standpoint. And so that's, that's what I was working on. The idea for the podcast itself um, came from, I had um, a psilocybin session with uh, Timothy Leary's son, Zach Leary. I found him through uh, Duncan Trussell's podcast actually. And funny enough, I just saw Duncan Trussell this past weekend and was like talking to him, uh, through list. This is so strange. Um, now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. How'd that go? No, it's so strange when I think it, when I'm thinking about how this is all because of podcasts, (laughs) literally, um, my friend showed me an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast with Duncan Trussell. That's, I started listening to his podcast. I found a bunch of really amazing people and information from that. From his podcast, I found Zach Leary. And then Zach Leary, I had this mushroom session, session with him. And he was like, why don't you start your own podcast? And so that kind of bird this idea. And now here we are doing a podcast. And that that's how this whole thing kind of happened for me, really. Um, wow. So <laughs> how, how did you get connected to do a mushroom session with? Zach Leary. Um, I, he, he was on Duncan's podcast and Zach's a really unique and kind of shy person in a way. If you listen to the episode, one of the early episodes with Zach Leary and Duncan, you can tell that Zach's kind of like a, like pretty like humble person. And he's, he's working on his own. I think he has a book that's coming out um, on how to lead psychedelic sessions and probably information that he's learned from, you know, set and setting and being that he lived with his dad, you know, for all those years. So that's, that's something that's out there uh, as all this information on, you know, how to properly ethically have these psychedelic sessions when people are in this like open state of mind. Um, but essentially I listened to the episode and sent him an email and then he like gave me his phone number and I called him and talked to him. And so that that's how kind of that whole thing came to be. And I went down to California and had the session with him. And it was it was interesting. Um, and from that, it really just kind of birthed me wanting to, you know, be be more creative. And that's kind of where um, the initial seed got planted for me to want to like kind of kind of do that. And you know like really thinking about some of the psychedelic experiences I've had, it's been a lot of things have come up for me, but the main thing being like what a privilege it is that I have um, access to these medicines, a safe space to take them, the means, the mental fortitude in a way to like have, you know, um, had these experiences over the past decade now. So um, I just feel fortunate, um, but I can kind of talk to both sides of that really with my experiences with, with some of these medicines over the years, some, some being positive experiences and others being quite challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting concept 
the the mental fortitude um and the means and the container and the you know the mindset it's like um yeah these are powerful tools and i don't know if it's clear yet whether you know they're they're amplifiers so if you're in a bad situation can you you know bootstrap yourself out of it using these tools like is that dangerous but okay so this experience with zach leary where does this fall in your psychedelic experience was this like one of your first psychedelic experiences or or where does it fall into your journey Mm, no my first psychedelic experience um my first psychedelic experience really was like smoking too much weed i mean it depends what you consider psychedelic that's a whole podcast in itself Mm -hmm. like what does that even mean? Like psychedelic being like of mind really, you know, it's like, like what does that even mean? You know, like could synchronicities be considered psychedelic, but you know, if we're talking about from a, from a go ahead. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, this is an idea that I, I think I, I'd be hard pressed to um, find the exact soundbite where this is said, but this is something I would argue that Terrence McKenna might believe, but there's this guy, Bernardo Castro, who's doing like rounds on, on media right now, trying to push forth this idea of like idealism, which is like that the world is made of consciousness, um, mm-hmm. speaks to the conscious cloud, but essentially yeah. that um, matter is not like the root of all, you know, the world we live in that, you know, the classic thing is like knock on the wall behind you. And that's, that's what people say is real or kick the rock. There's kind of like a whole allegory related to that. But um, I like I, I kick, I think it's this guy kicks a rock and says, like, I refute it thus or something, meaning like mm-hmm. that it's real because I, I kicked it, like I felt it. Um, but it's interesting to say if psychedelic means mind manifest, it's interesting to consider synchronicity a psychedelic experience because um because it would be mind manifest i guess <laughs> because yeah. yeah it's just like uh something that bubbles up to the surface that seems like you don't necessarily have control over it but it seems like it was meant to happen and it has meaning so it would be kind of a if you believe in that if you're not a materialist and you're an idealist i could see how that argument could be made i guess is what i'm saying Totally. Yeah. And that we can really dive into that to answer your question. Um, that experience was in, I believe 2019 may, maybe may 19th, 2019, somewhere (laughs) right. Or may 17th, 2019, I believe, um, was right around when that happened. Um, I've been, I mean like my first psychedelic experience really, um, was probably just like smoking too much weed getting like really baked because you know i mean for me most people you hear the story like first time i smoke weed i didn't get high i like hit a joint one time nothing happened mm-hmm. and then um was hanging out with some friends of mine and they were like all right we need to we need to smoke all of this weed this kid was like i got in trouble we have to smoke all the weed and i was like okay well the first time it didn't work so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens and i got like full on hallucinations i mean this is something that i've experienced on multiple different um substances which is really like 
having an auditory hallucination where you can hear things happen before they happen or something, or someone's talking to you and you hear the words and then you see the, you know, what you're visually catches up to like what you're hearing auditorily. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean that, that was pretty profound for me. And, um, you know, I was raised in a Catholic family. I was atheist for a long time. Um, I just didn't really align with, you know, modern, um, I've come to realize that the issue that I had was with people who are hypocrites and bigots and less of it having to do anything with, um, you know, some kind of theism, you know, at all. And, and really I just like people that like live in accord with the ideals that they want to spout out at other people and have other folks live up to their expectations. So, mm-hmm. um, cannabis really kind of like, that was such an eye opening experience for me of like, it's this isn't what I thought it was like life wasn't as cut and dry as I thought it was being like a staunch, like material atheist. You know, I, d- I didn't leave a lot of room for magic in there. Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic as well. seems like a lot of people who, I guess it's more so like, white people drawn to psychedelics come from a Catholic background. I don't know how many non-white Catholics there are in general, but um, okay. So I want to talk about uh, measure 109, but first you got to tell me you met Duncan Trussell this last weekend. What was, what's the story there? Yeah. So, oh man, that's, that's its own thing. Um, Talking about synchronicities. So it really just speaks to his whole performance that he was just doing too. Um, Duncan's very sweet. If you ever see him, you can talk to him. He's very approachable. Um, he'll hug you. He's not afraid of you. Um, very sweet and engaging person. I really think all of his time at the Ram Dass camp is kind of what shaped him in that direction as sarcastic and dark as he can be. Um, you know, I, I enjoy, I very, I enjoy a sense of humor. So, uh, if I have to rewind, um, we're back in 2016. I was listening to his podcast. He's like, my tour is coming up. I was like, okay, awesome. This sounds great. Um, sitting on the couch with my partner at the time. And I'm like, yeah, Duncan Trussell is going to be coming to town. She had no idea who he was. And she was like, check this out. Turns her computer around. We're on Facebook. And there's a, a venue in Richmond. And it was like, Duncan Trussell posted one minute ago coming on the You Are God tour. And I was like, okay. You know, you're like, okay, that's cheesy, um, but I'll buy it. So I got tickets, went to the show. Um, he did his whole show. I was standing around waiting afterwards again after his comedy shows. He'll, he'll, he'll literally just sit there and talk to you. And so my buddy and I were kind of like waiting and he was like, hey, are you guys waiting to talk to me? Come over. So he invited us over into, into the little semicircle. They were pretty much talking to him about drunk history. And I was like trying to find a way to get a word in and was like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you about the um, Ram Dass retreat that's coming up. And he like stopped mid conversation, looked at me and was like, here, take my personal email. Mm. So ended up getting his email. Um, he was super cool. Didn't end up making it to that retreat. Registration for the Ram Dass retreat actually starts June 1st for the open your heart and paradise one. They're doing it this fall. Um, if anybody feels called. That's to, right uh, now in 2022. Yeah, it's right now in 2022. Ramdas has left his body, um, but they're continuing to do these retreats out in the same place. Duncan will be there. Um, I'm sure a bunch of other really great people are going to be there that are in the um, 
in Ram Dass's community, like uh, Trudy Goodman, Jack Cornfield, um, Sharon Salzberg, uh, all really awesome, like Buddhist Buddhist folk. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, I I didn't make it to the spring retreat. Just kind of forgot about it, and then he or it's something in me just like i get this you get this impulse i don't know i'm sure you've had them you know you're like i'm gonna reach out to this person i'm gonna i'm just gonna go over here i'm gonna do this thing and i got this impulse to send mike crawl an email who's the person who organizes these events and he was like oh yeah you're duncan's friend like sure and he was like okay well registration starts tomorrow and i'll I'll really register you well the registration started the next day and within 30 minutes it completely sold out wow you know, and Duncan was like my, when I talked to him on the Island, he was like, my like friends, like couldn't, couldn't get in. I couldn't get anybody into this and you managed to like sneak in. And so this past week and I told him that I, I gave him this, this version of the story and he was like, that's so wild, man. He's like, well, if you want to come the, you know, you can come this year. And he's like, you already got Mike's email. So yeah, like just to kind of talk to him about that story. Um, and so f- funny enough to what you were speaking to, you're talking about matter and, you know, our world and universe being made of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about that, mm. this, at, at his comedy show, from from the angle of like, I like him because he's very skeptical. He's like, maybe it's like this. Maybe it could be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very much kind of speaking to this idea of, you know, like if you want to see it, if you want to see it, whatever it is, if you want to see the synchronicities, if you're like, every time I see one, 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 I just know I'm in the right place. Um, you know, anything I met that I was supposed to meet this person. It was fated to happen. Really. You're just kind of like, I might, you know, I feel like you're like in alignment with yourself and your true being, which is to just be at harmony. It's to be at harmony with what is right. To be at harmony with, yourself and to kind of be guided in this way you're still making your own choices you're still making your own decisions i don't think that we're like puppets but i do feel that there is like a gravitational pull in a way where if everything is made of consciousness if you're you know if we're operating from the perspective of maybe the big bang or something that all matter at one point in time or what we would consider to be matter existed at like a single point and exploded outwards you know, into what we would consider our three-dimensional reality, that everything at one point in time was touching, what would make sense that it can interact with itself, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think um, by virtue of being in the system together, right? Yeah. And it started out as one thing. That's like, and and that's the myth. That's even the science myth, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. um even the people who try to leave spirituality, I guess in the past or, you know, try to separate themselves from it. They still have a myth and that myth starts with unity. So yeah, definitely. Um, And that's kind of, yeah, you kind of see that in like the Alan Watts um, poetry that leads, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, it's interesting how like, Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna and these people who um, have put it into words for the Western world in such a beautiful way, give everyone else these like tools to describe it better. Cause it's like 
in the sixties, like what, like what you just said, or like what people say about like that we're all made of stardust and mm, um, yeah. we're all born of exploding stars and stuff. Those talking points weren't available before the poetry became so widespread. And then we can yeah, kind of like, then we can kind of build on top of that. Yeah. Terrence had this idea of like that the world or our culture moves at the speed of the development of language. So it's like, you can't go to the moon unless you can describe, you know, the physics of relativity yeah, and the engineering. Theory. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's your take um, on personalities continuing on post postmortem? Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I, um, I, I fully believe that I think people live in a non, I think that we have, we're, we're physically focused beings, you know? I mean, my own personal belief is that we are what I've, what I've come to believe through the teachings that I've been gifted, I'll say, um, that have come to me because I've asked for this information. Um, I, I believe that we are larger consciousness that's physically focused in our human being forms and that we're having this experience. Alan Watts would say you are an aperture through which the universe is looking in and exploring itself. So, you know, I believe that we are an aspect of the universe having an individualized experience, you know, mm-hmm. and that we have our own essence that we've decided to label and name much like we do anything, you know, so you could know the difference between this or that, but essentially at a quantum level, it's all kind of the same. Yeah. And so, so, so with like Ramdas though, um, we talked before we went live, we were talking about like, there's a Carl Jung society and there's like a Julian Jane mm-hmm. society and people create these like ideas or these philosophies or these practices. And then people build communities around them and like continue that on, you know, which, you know, brands are brands like Disney, you know, Disney's yeah, holding right. on. Um, yeah. Ram Dass plus for, for dear, for dear life. Yeah. I guess that's, that's what I'm curious about is like how long, how long should Ram Dass be the center of that community? Like, or how long should mm-hmm. Jung be the center of, you know, like, yeah. Or um, what's the other one who did the Enneagram? What's that? Gurdjieff. It's another one. There's, there's a bunch of, of different people Ramdas would have wouldn't have considered himself the center of the community which is so funny you know when you deal with individuals they're like i'm not a guru you know i'm just you it's just a reflection you know a true guru is just a mirror of yourself it's a mirror of your own inner being same thing mm. with with neem crowley baba Ramdas was like look i'm just teaching you the stuff that my guru taught me who is neem crowley baba and you know, I think your initial question was, do I, do I think that people live postmortem? Do I think his energy and consciousness still exists outside of a body? A- absolutely. Um, for how long? I'm not too sure because I feel like we exist in this. We exist in time. We've created time. Time has developed over time. And that's just kind of like, you know, if matter responds to the mind and to the psyche and if our thoughts influence experiences and help us create our own reality through magnetization, you know, like, like with, with magnets and in, in tuning yourself, you know, to a specific vibration, which attracts other people and experiences to you, which is how this whole thing is even happening to begin with. 
you know, where inspiration and idea comes from to reach out to people, you know, that opens the door for a lot of really interesting, uh, you know, ponderings, ideas, you know, but that's, that's again, what I've, what I've come to believe. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, Ram Dass's consciousness, I think when you remember people, I think that's part of it too, is when you think of these people, you know, it could be anybody, it could be, you know, my grandmother, um, past. And I actually, there's a woman named Jackie Duffy. Um, feel free to check her out. She's very, very interesting, but she is a medium and I worked with her and communicated with my grandmother that's passed in the detail. The whole experience is, is completely mind blowing. I've, um, had other people who've worked with her too, who've had similar experiences. Um, so the universe I believe is a lot more interesting and weird than we allow it to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's interesting that you brought up a medium um, because when you were talking about that, a guru or like someone um, that's really good at getting people to resonate with powerful ideas, I guess, is just a mirror. Like you're just giving someone yeah. hopefully some of the best aspects of themselves that they can, they can recognize and, you know, they're drawn to that. But so like a mirror, like it's kind of where the idea of like um, communication and electronic technology begins. It's kind of like that narcissist mm -hmm. story, you know, which I guess is misunderstood. I don't know enough about it to, to talk about it, but um yeah like a medium is a screen and like a mirror is like kind of the first natural screen you know other than maybe mediation through psychedelics but yeah now we have now we have the black mirror right we have all these screens yeah. and mirrors and um and extensions of ourselves yeah it's a weird concept but uh it is it's really okay oh, yeah, yeah i just wanted to say with with uh ramdas like not wanting to be the center but like becoming the center of a community mm -hmm. is like the same thing speaking to our catholic roots i feel like that's kind of like a great young skeptical catholic argument is like jesus wouldn't have wanted to be this worshiped being anyways like you know what i mean and it's like that's just like the i don't know what do you call it the burden or the situation of someone with the message right it's like totally they get made into yeah, an artifact a, <laughs> i know it's a caricature it's a caricature of an idea and it's all it's all a concept really you know mm -hmm. like just this this it's and that's very much what our universe is it's what we make of it it's what we think of it i guess you know i guess that's the beauty of or like that's where comedy comes in it's like the archetype of the trickster, which like is, is kind of lost in Western culture. But like I, like I recently read Joseph Campbell's collected works and there's a lot of like a lot of the godheads in um, tribal religions around the world. Um, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the wrong word to use nowadays, but that's like how they phrase it in the book. But like there's like a lot of African religions, for example, where the highest God is the trickster. And on, on one side, 
his hat is one color and on the other it's another and when you were talking about Duncan Trussell like being like maybe it's this maybe it's that like that's the role of like you know the juggling oh yeah trickster um okay so there, there's a whole nother conversation there too with the by camera mind thing that that I was trying to explain before we started but I think we're just going to end up with more deep unity like meanderings um how did you get involved in uh measure 109 in oregon and what do you think is like the importance of the victory in in 2020 so um i how did i get involved it's all these stories are some of my favorite stories to tell really because it it's so magical how a lot of it happened um, I I got involved in it going to my friend Rebecca's house. Who I don't know if you reached out to her or not, Rebecca Martinez. I did. Yeah, we still have to connect. She's she's a certifiable badass. Um, I love Rebecca. She's she's really out there, like doing good work. Um, she like she just cares so much about about the medicine and um equitable access you know like i learned so much from her i learned so much from the community that's out here but um pretty much she was having an event at her house called wonderland and sam chapman who works for the healing advocacy fund he was the campaign director tom eckert was there tom and sheree were the were the folks who were at the at the head of the campaign sheree has since passed um so blessings to sheree and all of her hard work um you know i remember seeing something on the internet about the psilocybin the like side group that they had beforehand which was just like a they like took mushrooms and were like you know what we're just gonna we're gonna do this thing and i thought that was i thought that was cool and ambitious because it's like somebody somebody was doing it so they had an event at Rebecca's house. Um, I was not in a great place that day. Um, when the event was happening, I was like going through like relationship issues and just wanted to like sit on my couch and cry, honestly. And something was like, go, like you need to go. Mm. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go to this event that popped up on my Facebook of all, you know, so it's so funny, social media, like it's been such a great tool for me, but it pops up on my Facebook. It's like, Hey, go to this thing. I go there I met Sam, I met Tom, I met my buddy Jonathan, who uh, is Evolved Mushrooms. My first podcast I did was with Jonathan and Becca. These are people that I'm still good friends with. And so that's how I got involved. I went to this event, met them, and just kind of like stayed in contact, ended up in a volunteer position. Rebecca was volunteering and I think eventually working for the campaign. So I did like some events with her and that's how I got started. COVID happened. And then we still managed to get like, get, get petitions to people. We had to mail in single individual petitions to people. Mm. It was a very grueling, painstaking (sighs) process. And we didn't know it was like, we were like, we like got an arm chopped off and then another one. And then like, it was like Monty Python style. Like we, we were like, are we, we're, we're, we're we're out of limbs and we're still just trying to like, make this thing happen and so it it 
it did happen. Um, and it was, yeah, so I, I was a volunteer for the campaign and was just out there like talking to people, cold calling people, sending emails, like getting people signed up to get this petition, doing educational work out there. And, and that, that was kind of my role in the campaign. I'm really excited. You know, I, it's so funny. I was like the person battling people online in Facebook groups because there's so many skeptical people and rightfully so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, in indigenous communities or, um, you know, like, I don't, you, like you'd say BIPOC, black, like just like all of these individual communities, because I feel individually, they all, they shouldn't just be lumped into this, just like this one term. It's just all of these individual communities that have, have roots in all of this. And, you know, the medical system hasn't been fair to like folks of color, or indigenous people, like why, or na- native individuals. It's like, I understand why they don't trust the system, but I feel very much so that the people that I was working with, working with Sam Chapman, working with Rebecca, like they're all stars and they want this to be equitable with cannabis. Didn't, it's not really working out that way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a conversation we're having now. And now as psychedelics are being rolled out, the conversation is, is really being had. And so I, um, I feel honored, lucky, blessed to have, been a part of this thing you know yeah and um could we go into and, that and so, so I, I listened to most of your chat with sam chapman um mm-hmm. and that was a little bit ago right maybe like uh totally yeah yeah about just over a year ago so now would be probably a good time to revisit that because what you were talking about back then was like you had, there was two years when measure 109 got passed in Oregon to kind of um, set up the infrastructure for it. It sounded like, um, yeah. So what's happened with rulemaking that? period? Um, I've remained pretty like, like involved, but not as involved. Mm-hmm. I kind of like backed up a little bit. Sure they ended up making an equity. So Sam again is working with the healing advocacy fund. Um, I help uh, Rebecca and my friend Alon set up fruiting bodies. And that was kind of the aim of their podcast and, and um, thing. And now Rebecca's doing the Alma Institute. They kind of wanted to, they just had different ideas and, in, in, in coming up with um, like, um, a, like something to help people with psychedelics, like, like a training program is what that's what I was trying to say. Like they were coming up with the training program. And so as far as I know now, they have the, the Oregon health authority has, is really listening to people. In fact, I'm getting emails constantly. I did a survey with them. Um, they're looking into who wants to sign up to be facilitators. They're, they're notating all this information and the Oregon health authority, I think personally reached out to Becca and Alon and we're like, we want your opinion on this. Um, both of them were on the ethics, um, the ethics subcommittee that was created. Mm-hmm. And recently, you can look up an article on this. A lot of information has come out. I think Tom has resigned, as far as I know, from the from the committee um, because of conflict because of a conflict of interest um, issue, Tom. if you will. Tom Eckerd, mm. yeah, I think he he 
pretty much like very, very recently, they all had to, everyone involved uh, that was on the committee and in the subcommittees had to come out and say what their conflicts of interest might be. And I believe Tom is um, seeing somebody who, who is, who is looking to open facilities. And so I think he kind of Mm. um, stepped down. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, you can, definitely look into double checking all of this information this is just like what's off the top of my head okay so um yeah so i think there's um there's there's this the rulemaking period is still happening they're listening to oregonians um they're sending out emails asking people what we think they're having public hearings where we can have our opinions heard and so i really feel like the movement is is um really going along and going to um be the the best thing that I feel can be put out. Awesome. Yeah. Some of the sentiment um, on your chat just over a year ago with Sam was that um, this is really going to, um, you know, pave the way or create the example for other States um, passing laws like this. Could you, could you just give me a run through like, like what, does Oregon measure 109 lay out like so it would be safe access to psilocybin assisted therapy um it's going to allow people to and mind you the rules have changed um they're actively being debated on right now but it would allow somebody the ability to grow mushrooms um so you'd have like a producer it would allow somebody to open a facility the way it was written in the laws you couldn't open more than five different facilities you i believe have to live in oregon be an oregon resident for two or three years before being able to apply which people they sent folks here immediately as soon as it passed people moved to oregon before and right then to anticipate people moving here so they could claim residency to be able to open um a business Mm. So there's a lot of really interesting things that are happening, but that's essentially what the law would be is that you could open a facilitators, like be a facilitator. You could become a facilitator. I could become a facilitator. They're going to have a training program that you go through, but you don't have to have any formal education. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wrote that in there for indigenous folks or just to really not write anybody out because they really believe it's like a rite of passage and, almost, you know, like a religious thing for some folks or spiritual, you know? So is this the same, would this be the same as like the two laws that got like Washington state and Colorado started with cannabis or is it different? Is it more of like a medical, um, yeah, route? That's, that's kind of how they build it. So there's decriminalization, there's decriminalized nature, decriminalized nature, was actively fighting our campaign, um, you know, saying that they should, that if we didn't decriminalize first, that it wouldn't happen. If they had a medical, if they, if it passed for a medical reason and they could make money off of it, though, they wouldn't decriminalize it after that because people were going to be making money and they would fight against it. Um, Measure 110 also passed in Oregon, which allows you to possess up to rarely, a really random number, but 12 grams of mushrooms. So, that that passed um, simultaneously. So 
in Oregon right now, you can possess 12 grams of mushrooms and it's like a hundred dollar fine. Gotcha. So that, yeah, that passed concurrently. Um, but it's, it, it differs from like the, the, the cannabis program because you can't really buy or sell mushrooms. They like during the rulemaking period, I think they were talking about being able to be like prescribed might not be the best word, but that you could have microdoses. So microdosing has been brought up as a possible feature added addition to this. that wasn't initially written. It didn't say that it couldn't happen in the initial, in the initial ballot initiative. Um, but there's a lot of really amazing research that these folks have done during this two, two year rulemaking period where they're really like gathering as much information as possible. That was one of the first things that the committee had to do because people, anybody could sign up to be on it. And they selected 12 members trying to get as many different people. They do have folks with degrees that are on there. And I think a lot of people who do have degrees are going to sign up to become facilitators. So that way you can have um, a therapist, uh, LPC, uh, um, psychotherapist possibly to, you know, walk you through this and most importantly, give you an integration plan, which I feel is, you know, honestly the most important part of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's crazy. It's um, the first step, you know, to really get these things moving. And something that struck me in your conversation with Sam Chapman too, was um, that the whole psilocybin thing is moving faster than cannabis did. Um, I'd like to get your take on this, I guess. So one of my big questions is like when maps gets MDMA rescheduled, which for sure. Well, so first it gets approved by the FDA, then it's supposed to be like by law rescheduled by the DEA because the medical, you know, it can't be schedule one if it has medical benefits. So, um, the media has been publicizing the map stuff like crazy. Like the media is definitely into yeah. it. S- like major TV networks, major newspaper networks, um, you know, the whole gamut. Uh, so when that happens, what happens with cannabis? What happens with psilocybin? Do we just say like, Hey, MDMA gets rescheduled because you know, Rick Doblin spent 30 years proving it, but cannabis is legal in, you know, 13 states and medically legal in 30 some and more than half the country wants it to be legal. And, but like, there's no faith. Oh, it's a very large majority. Right. But there's no, but there's no phase three studies. So it doesn't get rescheduled. I just feel like unless the media just like goes quiet, right. When it like gets approved, or rescheduled maybe maybe they say yeah it's approved and then they ignore the rescheduling thing um i just don't see how cannabis can't how there can't be a broader conversation and maybe that's something where a grassroots effort needs to be made to make sure that all this stuff gets talked about together um i don't know what's your take on that like what's going to happen in the next year when mdma does its thing um, hopefully we stop killing each other and the world can become a better place. Um, that would be ideal of uh, realistically what I think is going to happen. Um, 
look, there's agencies that make a lot of money putting people in jail for weed. Um, like that's, that's been the war on drugs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how it started. It was, it was, it was, it was racist really. I mean, it was, it was super racist. And also people who smoke weed, eat MDMA and psilocybin probably aren't going to be the first folks signing up to, um, you know, go be in the military, you know, or, or f- enter combat. Um, you know, mm-hmm. maybe wrong. I don't, I don't know. That's just my own personal opinion. I'm, I'm not running to go, um, you know, do that sort of thing. So like, I just think that there's, there's just money. Money's been made. Money's a motivating factor. That's why politicians end up getting corrupt. If people didn't care about money, the world would be an entirely different place. If these things weren't industries, you know, people make money from folks. There's private prisons. There's ankle monitoring systems. Like there's just a whole prison industry. Like it's an industry, just like there's a cannabis industry. There's a, a prison industry and like as long as that stuff kind of continues to exist like really you know those people are spending money Mm -hmm. making sure that a lot of this stuff doesn't get passed i think part of it is ignorance i think people just don't know the truth i think they've been sold to this idea that these things are dangerous and um that there's a bunch of like bunk science you know they said that mdma put holes in your brains we know that that now is not true um there's a lot of amazing studies coming up about people who are using MDMA and single uses and just how safe these things are, you know, when you're taking a single dose. Um, I think the fact that it's really helping people with PTSD, our first responders, veterans, um, these people that are out there risking their lives for us and for other people and they aren't able to get the proper care. There's fatigue and burnout in those communities of people. And so I feel that this is going to be an amazing tool for that. I envision a positive future. I would be considered probably idealistic by most. Um, I'm fine with that. You know, hopefully, hopefully we can all share in this vision together and imagine the world that we do want to live in where people can have access to these things. They can have, um, they can have, you know, care, like, you know, the, the main, the reason I, the main reason I got into a lot of this stuff was seeing my mom deal with her own mental health and psychiatric stuff and seeing how the community treated her, that they just wanted to, you know, taking pills for a lot of people is like putting a bandaid on an open wound. It's not getting to the core. And I feel these substances specifically with someone who cares about you to have a, um, you know, a doctor or a professional or somebody that like actually cares about you sitting down and, 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 you know, you, you, you have this, you know, and it's pretty much like you you go and you have the, you sit down and talk to this person, you have your experience with the medicine and then there's post-integration session. And that's what we're seeing with, with MDMA, with psilocybin is, is, is that, that model really working, you know, and people continuing to follow up. So, you know, I think, I think, in the future, I would like, you know, psilocybin, there's not just really, there's not like a lot of money, you know, like, like, like cannabis and, and people, like people smoke a lot of weed, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and I think that's it is the consumption and the amount that's, that's, you know, what dictates it versus mushrooms, like not really the most profitable thing in the world, you know, 
Like you'd smoke a pound of weed. You're not going to eat a pound of mushrooms. Yeah. Like, that, that, you know, um, that could be an argument for why mushrooms could sneak through federal restructuring or rescheduling, uh, DEA rescheduling before weed, right? Mushrooms are these unassuming yeah. kind of like, you know, freeloaders. They they do what mushrooms do. They they lay they lay low and sprout when it's you know necessary. And you know, back to the spores we go. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, I I agree. I I agree with that idea. I feel that mushrooms, honestly. Like, I feel like after MDMA, I feel like mushrooms could, on, could honestly probably sneak through too, you know, with just, weed is just such a hot topic. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think it's like when, when you, when you think of the amount of tax money that could be made, um, really the only thing that, that my mind, that makes sense in my mind is just, is the amount of money people make with it not being legal. You know, what's going to happen to police budgets? What's going to happen, you know, when they can't pull people over because like hey man you smell like weed (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know that's it's tough to say we're having it seems like could be wrong i guess i don't know shit about policing and stuff but um seems like you hear about too many people in prisons and stuff lately so it's like maybe it's finally that the supply and the demand is like okay we (laughs) there's other reasons to arrest people now or, um, you know, it's not like they're gonna, I doubt we decriminalize everything at once. So maybe now that everyone's no, you know, not everyone, but now that people, so many people are hooked on, you know, opiates and, um, amphetamines and stuff. Maybe it, maybe it's a case where it's like, whatever, just let weed go. Like we have enough going on with this that we can, make our money that way yeah man (laughs) look for people selling fentanyl you know like and look i understand that people are on certain substances i get that people do what they do i'm not here to judge anybody for what they do or how they make their living you know or whatever you know but they're if you're going to you know weed is not hurting people really i'm a cannabis sales rep work for an extract company right now currently it's like it's it's not, it's not hurting anybody. That's not to say that you can't eat too many edibles and get messed up. It's not to say that, you know, shouldn't it, it responsible use. We're talking about when any, any of the stuff that we're talking about during this podcast and anything that I'm advocating for is for responsible mm-hmm. use. Um, that looks different to everyone, but we have, we've had trials, you know, you said MDMA was in phase three trials. We've, we've, collected enough data and science to know that this dosage lasts this amount of time, you know, and these are the effects that people have had from it. So again, like, like, I don't know, you could drink a fifth of alcohol, whatever. It's the same as like take over consuming anything. And I think, I think that's the core of this whole thing. And I think that's the more interesting thing really is why do people feel the need to do any of this stuff to begin with? What is that? What is the core? Why, why, you know, what is, where do people's trauma come from? How can we, you know, have this existential crisis of living in a money driven society? And we're like, what the fuck are we doing, man? What is going on? Like, what are we doing? Like, is the point of this to get rich? No, they're not happy. Is the point of this to like 
feed people and love one another and take care of each other. Well, that feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have a son, you know, like, like love is like the thing that everyone can agree on. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the fact that it's, you know, like you said, weed isn't hurting anybody where I think the opposition is running out of arguments. It's running out of straw men. It's running out of, you know, ammo. And that's, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, there can be, I think it will only happen if there's a grassroots movement behind it, but that there can be a grassroots movement behind pushing either cannabis, magic mushrooms, or both um, while MDMA is getting rescheduled. Like, can there be a push to, to get these two things rescheduled as well? Um, yeah, because, well, there's a lot of factors that go into it, I think like the democratic party is going to be looking for something to make their, the party look great. Like as Joe Biden's four years are ending, you know? So yeah, that could be like, that could be, uh, um, it could be a move though. Like, yeah, because like it was big, it was big news, um, that the house passed the decriminalization bill. Yeah, it happens like once a year. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's probably it happens like it's once probably a year. not even a good bill. Like I don't know. I I didn't look at it. I, you know, in um, the excerpts on or the, the comments on Twitter, I guess people are saying that there's like you know backdoors and loopholes and like bad things in it. Oh, of course. But uh, but yeah, I think we're running out of excuses. <laughs> I think we've been out of excuses for a long time personally. I mean, really, it's like if if money's the deciding factor um, and you guys love tax dollars, I don't understand. That's a bipartisan thing. Um, you know, if you if you live, um, you know, I don't personally claim a political affiliation. I just just like what makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. to me ultimately. And so I, I feel if, if you're on the side of you want to regulate and tax things, you know, okay, well you like cannabis. And if you're on the side of things of like, I want my land and my God and my guns, and I'd like you to leave me alone. You also enjoy freedom and cognitive liberty. So if that's the whole thing, and this is about freedom and, you know, freedom to choose what you put in your body and freedom to explore your own consciousness and freedom to have a spiritual experience, um, and this is a free country, then I, I don't understand how we can't agree on this unless there are other motivating factors, um, you know, that, that allow that like big business or, you know, the cannabis or um, like Marlboro or whoever, I guess uh, they have been rebranded to Altria now want to, you know, get, they want to, you know, have their stake and have everything like ready to go. I mean, realistically, I think I said in 2012 that it would take five years. That's 2017 or yeah. I said, you know, maybe it's like 10 years, I guess 2022, you know, maybe, maybe it's 10 years. It's going to happen. I imagine within the next five, I could really imagine within the next two, we'd see a full legalization. Look, if these people don't want to get kicked out of office, they should probably pass it. Yeah. How, uh, how could, an all-star like Sam Chapman or some of the people from the Oregon measure get behind doing something on a national level or that that's your, 
that's well, your that's job, Joe. You gotta you gotta bring that's them together job. and <laughs> Yeah. That's well, that's kind of um that's what I feel my role in a lot of this is, you know. Um that's what uh, that's the highest vision I have of even my own podcast essentially is is getting people together. Um f- for some reason I'm good at it. Um, but just talking to people, sharing ideas with people, um, I'm sham, Sam, sham, sham, <laughs> Sam's been approached by people in other States who've, who've want to pass these initiatives. And you can see as soon as one place is decriminalized, it's like a domino effect and that's giving permission really. Um, and you can look at that from an individual level. You can look at that on a state level. You can look at that within your own community. You know, like you're saying, if, if humanity is progressing at the rate from which we have the vocabulary and way to express a concept, mm-hmm. right? You know, cause that's vocabulary is like, it's, it's vibrational pictographs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to have an idea and to have it like, um, kind of synthesized into a way in your vocabulary, that you can have it make sense to people, you know, and doing that with your own community and, in in really it's like, um, you know, kind of like letting that idea, that's not inhabit, but to like express as it to embody, embody is the word I'm looking for. You know, when you're embodying these ideas and these concepts, you know, it, it starts to have a direct effect on your surroundings. You know, I feel and that's where it gets really interesting is this idea of our, you know, mind internet, you know, much like mycelium connects beneath the ground. I believe that's what the internet is above ground. I believe that's what, you know, we're all individual neurons inside of, you know, if the, if the earth was a brain, we're all individual neurons inside of this, like this, this singular mind. And so that's, that's how I feel these changes start to happen. Conversations, these ideas, as we open up within ourselves, it starts to open up things for other people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to rewire, form some new connections, right? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, for, for, I've been having a tough time lately, honestly, you know, like these conversations excite me so much, you know, I was having a bad day. Um, I almost texted you to ask you to reschedule and I'm happy I didn't, yeah. you know, cause that's, you know, that's the, you know, you're talking about the bicameral mind. That's the, that's the talk that goes on mm-hmm. in the mind. Uh, I'm not going to, if I'm not going to sound good on this podcast, I'm not in the mood today. You know, I was having kind of a rough, a rough day, but as soon as I get on here and start talking to you, it's like it, like I move out of the way really I feel and what needs to be said or communicated between the two of us, I feel is what comes through so clearly. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, uh, that's a skill too. Yeah. I have this like, idea and like it's obviously a journey but like i film or recorded like 60 podcast episodes before doing this like phase two thing and the first 60 were just talking entrepreneurs artists whatever in wisconsin um where i'm from um and now like it took a while but the goal was always to like get into these like things that i'm passionate about it's like um, and I think it's beyond psychedelics, but psychedelics just seems like the natural like doorway to whatever's coming next, I guess. And yeah. but like the concept is you record those 60 first episodes to find your voice and like learn how to get out of your way. 
because that's like, that's what stops people from participating in the conversations or becoming part of the community or um, taking on a leadership role. It's that overthinking exactly like you were just saying, it's the getting in your yeah. own way. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you just gotta be like, this is going to suck or it's not going to be easy. Um, but it's gotta, it's gotta come through. And maybe that's like a, yeah. maybe that's a creative trait or something. Cause it is creative energy. It's dialogue. It's, you know, back and forth, but I think it's 70% of humans are creative or something like that. So we need some voices. We need some people finding their voice or letting it out. <laughs> totally. And that's, that's the thing is everybody has something to say, you know, we were all, um, inherently created with the ability to do whatever it is that we want. Some people being gift more gifted than others. Like if you're like seven feet tall, you're probably better at basketball than mm -hmm. I am. Um, you know, or a person that's like shorter, but you know, also basketball is a made up game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mo most of these things, are, people limit themselves with these made up ideas. That's, that's, what's even more crazy is like, you know. Who's to say what is or isn't good, you know, in, in terms of like, that's a good piece of art or that's not, or this is a good song or that's not. Yeah. It's all, you know, based on our own personal Well, the community, the community says it and it's like, but you will not, like, you'll never know or you'll never potentially be surprised if you never show it to the community, you know? Totally. And like, there is an aspect of it that's for you. Like you're creating for you, but you're also creating to share, you know, like you could write a bunch of poetry, you could write a bunch of songs, but I think an element, you know, why people love to perform so much is it's to like be seen, you know, I'm sure you want what you're saying and what you're doing to be received by others and you want them to have their own experience with it. So there's just like this synergy of you creating and expressing yourself in this other person, like almost like finding themselves within whatever it is that you're creating and, and finding that relativity. It's like, we're always constantly trying to remind each other that like, Oh yeah, you're the thing too. You you can do this. You, you, you're the thing too. Oh, that's, Oh, that's me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, you know, the more my life goes on, the, 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 more interesting and like simple and like weird i feel it's become <laughs> yeah for sure things are only going to get weirder um <laughs> that's funny and, and like a like a good fun way not in like a nuclear right. we're all gonna die away but 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 like a like Playful. a you know like like aliens <laughs> like seriously i like please now would be a really great time for you guys to like show up and in you know and like like the aliens show up and they have like um t-shirt guns and they're shooting tchotchkes <laughs> at us from the spaceships like you know it's like you're at like a like a packers game like t-shirt yeah. cannons and shit aliens were here just like try uh -huh. the aliens came and all i got was this crummy t-shirt <laughs> like keychains and bottle openers and they're like, that's all you guys get. That's funny. So, um, so with going back to the Oregon measure one Oh nine, just how fast it came together. Mm -hmm. It sounded like, it sounded like you, 
how you laid it out was like some people did some mushrooms and were like, we're going to do this thing. I mean, essentially, yeah, that was the Oregon Psilocybin Society, OPS, right? Oregon Psilocybin that's, Society. That's what I think. OPS, yeah. I don't know for sure that we're going to see more of it, but we're probably going to see more of it. Like as, um, you know, I don't necessarily know what it is, but I think as like the millennial generation comes into, cause like the oldest millennials are going to start hitting like the 40 to 60 range, which is like the most kind of productive part of a person's life essentially, or the most, you know, you have the most influence typically. And, um, yeah, I think, I think you're just going to see like these things popping up, just a bunch of people saying, why not? Like, we're going to do this. You know what I mean? Like, let's try. Yeah. And I I think it'll, I think it'll happen, mm -hmm. you know, um, much like anything, you know, Neville Goddard is somebody I've really, I really enjoy his work and he talks about there being a gestational period for, for everything, you know, when you put a seed in the dirt and you water it, it takes however long it's, you know, if you imagine a, a tree was once an mm -hmm. acorn, um, you mm -hmm. have a son that was once a seed, you know, there's a gestational period for thoughts too. You have a thought in your mind, you plant it in your mind, you water it like your podcast, much like anything that comes to fruition, to fruit. Um, there's this gest gestational period. And so um, if nature... Um, if nature's always on time, right? It's like, you're not like the sun, this, you know, if you, if you look at anything outside, it's not like it's happening at the, like, does anything happen at mm -hmm. the wrong time or is everything in perfect timing with itself? You know, it's like, go tell a stream to go faster or mm -hmm. slower, right? Or go tell a tree you don't like what it looks like. It's like, a, you know, you don't, you don't insult flowers. You just enjoy them for what they are, you know? And I think we see ourselves as separate from nature, from the flowers, from trees. And, you know, I think we kind of, I think sometimes we're go we think we're going downstream, but we're really like paddling upstream with like trying to like push, push things, um, along. So I think it'll kind of happen as it does, but really I think it's holding, holding the vision of that happening, like imagining these bills passing, like uh, imagining, finding people in your community who want to start this grassroots movement that you're talking about because, because it exists. Sam would be, Sam started off as students for sensible mm -hmm. drug policy, worked on cannabis legalization and is where he is now. That dude is so busy all the time. Like I do not envy the amount of, um, I wish I, I wish I had that. Like, um, I wish I had just that like drive, you know, he's been so dedicated to that. And I guess I do in just mm -hmm. a different way, but Sam is just like out there, like doing it, making phone calls and just being a part of it. And I know that I would, I'm sure he would love to work on some sort of national thing, but yeah, like him being a part of the healing advocacy fund right now, which is like in partner with Dr. Bronner's mm -hmm. and everybody or David Bronner rather they're, you know, really focused on, Oregon and making Oregon the best that it can be. And so I think, I think once this thing goes into effect and even after the first year, we're, we're just really going to see what happens because right now it's just like, what is going to happen? 
what's it going to be like? What's it going to look like? We haven't inter- We haven't even met, you know, there's a patient zero, the first person to get psilocybin, legal psilocybin assisted therapy in Oregon that has not happened yet. And we're going to experience that, which I think mm-hmm. is so beautiful. The spores have, have touched down and now they have to fruit fruit. They have to come to fruition. Like you said, <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic fungi. One of the most watched and best reviewed movies. Like Rotten Tomatoes was like 100%, you know, it's like so many people have seen that on Netflix. That's, that's the thing you're talking about. This is getting into people's minds, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is crazy how, how perfect of a metaphor like mushrooms are for what's happening. You know, even even in the non-mushroom world, like even in the, I guess the ergot world is a fungus as well, but, you know, just psychedelics in general, like fungus is a perfect metaphor. Cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, I think that'd be a good place to stop. I really think um, it'd be yeah. awesome just putting this out there. You should have Sam back on your podcast and see where things have come since you guys last talked. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I'll um I'll I'll reach out to them. I haven't seen Sam since his I think Halloween party. Um, you know, I've kind of I kind of have hid for a little bit. Um, but I'm I'm getting pushed now i feel it i've or not pushed but pulled. <laughs> i'm being pulled towards getting back into this and and having these conversations you know this has been amazing and i really um i appreciate you for reaching out to me i appreciate um the work that you're doing um i appreciate your curiosity and inspiration to um create um and to reach out to other people in this community and I'm sure you can see like how well it works and how willing people are to um, engage in this sort of a way. So um, I really love, I love this community. I love having these conversations. And um, again, I'm just super, super appreciative of, of you taking time and, and um, wanting to talk to me Um yeah, so yeah, you. absolutely. Thank you, Joe Izzo. <laughs> <laughs>